Welcome to the Grand Conversation, the Machon Siach Podcast. Machon Siach at SAR High School, honoring the memory of Bel de K. Lindenbaum, Zichronal of is the research arm of SAR High School, where faculty bridge theory and practice on matters of Jewish education and culture that are central to the modern Orthodox community. The Grand Conversation Podcast features the faculty fellows of Machon Siach discussing their research. I'm your host, Shmuel Hain, co-director of Machon Siach, our producer is the immortal Rabbi Avi Bloom, Director of Technology at SAR High School. This is our first socially distant podcast, so bear with us as uh, we all have masks on. We're all inside the tech office at SAR High School. On today's third podcast in our series, we will be discussing Israel education at SAR High School and Yeshiva High Schools more generally. For this grand conversation, we're thrilled to welcome two members of our inaugural Machon Siach Research Group. Ms. Adina Schulzen and Dr. Laura Shaw-Frank. Ms. Schulzen is SAR High School's History Department Chair, and Dr. Shaw-Frank is now the Director of Contemporary Jewish Life at the AJC and was previously a member of our History Department and the Director of Israel Guidance at SAR High School. Adina and Laura, welcome to the Grand Conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. This podcast is part of Machon Siach's Inside the Conversation publication, where you can read the paper that Adina and Laura wrote on Israel education at SAR, an evaluation of the teaching of Israeli history at a non-Orthodox day school, and where you can also watch the Siach talk that Adina and Laura did together on their research. I want to start with you, Adina, and talk a little bit about your work on Israel education and the history of Israel education here at SAR. I believe the working group on Israel education at SAR High School predates Machon Siach, goes back several years. Can you talk a little bit about why that group originally formed and what you were trying to do in terms of Israel education at SAR High School? Sure. Um, I think this takes us really back to the beginning of SAR High School and obviously Israel education being a central component that we wanted to be part of every student's education here. And in its origins, it was really a senior class. We taught Israel education, um, second semester, and it shared a slot in, uh, with Holocaust education. And it became very clear that that just was insufficient. And so gradually the Israel part took over more and more. Um, but then we, we decided that we really, t- 12th grade was just way too late. Um, we wanted to get into some serious discussions and more, um, tense, uh, topics and things like that, and they didn't have the background. And so then we uh, moved Israel education. We, we devoted a full unit at the end of 10th grade to studying Israel, and that was amazing. And it was at that point, we had done one year of that 10th grade unit, which was great, when we realized we really want to study this more seriously. And that's when we had that first Israel um, education working group. And it was really right when Laura came. And so that was great that she was able to participate in that. And we moved on from there. Great. Uh, so I wanted to, to ask you, Laura, uh, specifically in your role as Israel guidance counselor at SAR High School, we're proud of our high percentage of graduates who study for the year in Israel. I think we average 88% or 90%. We celebrate our graduates who volunteer in the IDF, those who make Aliyah. How did this group, from the beginning, that tension I think was there, how did you navigate your role as Director of Israel Guidance, your 
role as an educator in a yeshiva high school, which was promoting affinity for uh, Israel, the state, and the people. Uh, at the same time as you're a historian and a history teacher and wanted to teach history critically, including the history of Israel and Zionism? That's a great question. I actually think in many ways my role as Director of Israel Guidance was a helpful thing uh, that I could bring to the table in terms of being able to teach Israel critically. Because when I stood in front of the classroom and had to talk to the students about uncomfortable realities in Israel, the fact is that they know that I'm also the person who's telling them, you should go spend a year in Israel studying, you should go to Yeshiva, you should go to Midrashah, you should go to Machon Hartman, you should go to Nativ, whatever it is. And they know how important spending time in Israel is to me. They know how passionate I am about it. They know how passionate my personal connection is to Israel. And I think that standing in front of the classroom and talking about uncomfortable realities with respect to Israel is made so much more real um, for the students and so much um, more deep when they know that I'm coming to the table with an intense and deep love for Israel. I'll just piggyback on that. Certainly something that we've learned over the years is that it's a lot about the teacher and gaining um, the trust of the students and the teacher putting him or herself out there to, with their love and commitment and attachment to Israel, love of Israel, visits to Israel, that that is really integral to successfully doing this really hard thing that we're trying to do. And what about students who push back when there's a narrative that they're uncomfortable with and feel as if that somehow is expressing less loyalty to Israel? How do, how do, you, how do you, other than citing your own support for Israel, how do you contextualize that in a way that students who maybe are coming from homes where unwavering, unquestioning support for Israel is the norm, um, where Israel advocacy is what maybe parents are looking for and what students are expecting, how do you how do you balance that with critical Israel education? This is something we've talked about endlessly. Um, one of the things that we've done is talk to students about the study of history writ large and how the study of history is different from advocacy and that it's important to understand the difference and that we believe in Israel advocacy and we we want our students to be passionate Israel advocates. We hope that they will be on campus and throughout their lives, but that the study of history is by its very nature a critical study, and that when we study American history, we engage in a very critical study of America, although we are passionate believers in the project of America, and I think that, that our students in general are also passionate believers in the project of America, and yet don't have a problem sort of engaging in a critique of uh, what America has done in the past. I think a little bit that's complicated because people see the complications of uh, American history as being far in the like sort of distant 19th century where nobody remembers. Be interesting to see how kind of the, the current racial tension will will upend that uh, analysis. But I do think that 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 reminding them of history as a critical study is an important piece. I also think that it's important to hear them out, to hear students from across the spectrum out and to honor where they are and how they're feeling and not to shut down anybody, but to really be able to have open conversations that are not angry, that are not hostile, that are not canceling, but to be able to really engage the students as a class 
letting them talk to each other, letting them hear each other out. And I found, and I'm, I think Adina would agree with me, that when you do that in a respectful way, very often um, tempers lower and minds are opened um, on all sides of the spectrum. Great. So let's take a concrete example of that. Maybe this one is more theoretical now after the, um, the agreement that was announced uh, normalizing relations between Israel and and the the Emirates, uh, but Adina, uh, kind of walk us through how this would play out. Uh, a discussion in an SAR high school classroom in tenth grade and twelfth grade about annexation. Maybe it's in a history class. Maybe it's a one-off uh, topic or discussion, or maybe it's part of modern history, modern Israel. How would you approach? that kind of lesson, which is obviously a charged issue, or that kind of discussion in the SAR high school classroom? Sure. Um, right, because the uncharged discussion in some way is easier said than done. And my answer to your question is very much influenced by a second Israel Siach group that I was part of um, on the Israel-Palestinian conflict that was more recent. And um, we had some outsiders uh, that participated. And Michael Coppolo, who is the policy director of the Israel Policy Forum, was part of this group. And he presented what he calls um, a, using the lens of consequences, uh, where you take an issue and in order to kind of lower the temperatures and not make it about like how we feel about it or what we're afraid of, you look at the issue through the question of, well, what are the consequences of these different approaches? So on annexation, you would frame, I would frame this question to the students. All right, what are the consequences of not annexing? What are those consequences? And really try to help them flesh that out in detail. Well, consequences, there's consequences for the Jews who live in that territory. Um, maybe their safety, maybe their identity, maybe their, um, and, also about not controlling certain holy sites, right? Those would be consequences of not annexing. And on the flip side, well, what are the consequences of annexing? And then hopefully you could get kids to say, well, you know, it would be detrimental to Israel's image in the world, or what would it mean for the democracy, democratic identity of Israel? And so it's a kind of allows you to be maybe a little bit more objective or step back, and it forced kids who maybe have one gut feeling to at least articulate um, some consequences, which could be negative. Now, you might say, all right, despite these negative consequences, I still think that other ones overweigh and I'll choose. And that's fine. We're not, um, you know, asking students to to, to commit or to, to go against what they believe in. But at least we've now opened the conversation. They're able to articulate different perspectives. And it's taking it away, it sounds like, from a question of does Israel have, do the, the right. Jewish people have a right to this land? Exactly. Who, what's the fallout or what are the consequences Correct. if they were to do a particular step? It's not like does Israel have a right to Hebron or does Israel have a right to this? It's okay. Let's say they do it. Then what happens? Right. Another helpful distinction that I've heard is, I don't know if this is something that, that the history department uses, is kind of the difference between uh, the land and the people. Uh, the, the land may not be occupied, but there may be a certain group of people uh, that has the feeling of uh, being an occupied people. I think that's a Micha Goodman um, line. And he spoke to our students last year, and I definitely, and in the 10th grade, um, when we got to the discussion about post 67, I used that phrase and asked kids to unpack what that might mean. Great. 
Okay, Laura, I want to come back a little bit to, to the uh, issue you raised earlier uh, about American history and the exceptionalism, the project of America, and ask you to discuss as a, an American Jewish historian, what are some of the parallels that you, uh, you bring out to the students, now to the lay leaders that you discuss this with? What are some of the parallels between teaching American history critically and teaching the history of modern Israel? Right now, uh, the question of slavery, the question of the 1619 Project in the New York Times is, is uh, being discussed uh, around the world. And I guess I, I would, I'm curious how, how that parallels some of the things that you've been researching and thinking about in terms of teaching Israel. I think that knowledge is a good thing. And I think that when we teach history and we think about history, we have to not close doors to things that we're afraid of, to things that are ugly or unseemly, because we can't understand our present and we can't plan for our future if we don't acknowledge certain things in the past and really more than acknowledge, unpack them, understand them, what caused them, why did they result in certain, uh, in certain consequences. And I think that when you love a project, when you love a country, like the way I love America and the way I love Israel and the way I think our communities, the Jewish community in America here at SAR, at AJC, wherever it is, I think the Jewish community in America truly does love America and loves Israel as well. I think that it's out of love that we are, it is incumbent upon us to understand everything about our country's history, whether it's Israel or America, no matter how ugly it is. And without understanding kind of what happened with African slaves in this country, we can't understand what happened yesterday with that man who was shot, I don't remember his name, who was shot six times in the back. Um, and without understanding Israel's history and what happened with the Arab population of the land and the Jewish population of the land from before the state until the present, we can't understand the tensions that are going on today. We can't understand the UAE agreement with Israel. We can't understand annexation. We can't understand any of it. And I think that we're all in this to work for a just and whole future for America and for Israel. And without that kind of inquiry, we're not going to get there. Adina, you have any thoughts on, on, on that question? Yeah, I, I would just say that what's challenging about it is that you have to simultaneously hold up the good and the exceptional um, history and contributions of the United States and of Israel. Um, and that has to be part of the education while at the same time raising those blemishes or raising those critical parts. And, you know, in the classroom and your limited amount of time and in all that, right, being able to do that both um, fully and successfully in a way that both reflects um, what, how I feel about both of these countries, right, the amazing love and um, commitment and loyalty, um, for that to kind of come to the top and then at the same time be able to highlight some of the, the underbelly, to be able to do that is super challenging. Um, and it's, but it's so important for the students because it, 
enables them to have that complicated relationship too, and it honors where everybody's coming from. I just wanted to add that I think that one of the very magical things about SAR, and I would imagine about most, I hope all day schools, and I hope all schools, is that when teachers have relationships with students that are ongoing and they see them grow over four years and they care about them and the students know them and the teachers know the students in outside the classroom, I think that that project of what Adina is talking about, which is so difficult, becomes easier because instead of having 38 minutes to present that case to your students, it's 38 minutes plus an understanding of who each other is and who outside the classroom and you're kind of coming to the classroom with more than just that 38 minutes. And I think that that's something that has been really change making um, in the SIR Israel Education Forum. I still think I'm curious about the developmental staging of this and introducing more of this into 10th grade and then revisiting it and deepening it uh, in 12th grade. What about if there's some students who haven't yet fully fashioned that identity formation and connection to Israel by 10th grade? Is there a concern that the critical analysis of the history of modern Israel will will make that even more challenging to create that. This, you know, when you do Israel education as opposed to Israel advocacy, you're opening up more questions. And this is something we talk about in Machshevet Yisrael. This is something we talk about in Tanakh. This is something we talk about across the curriculum. Kind of where is that developmental sweet spot for our students? Well, I, I would definitely say that the 10th grade curriculum is very different than the 12th grade, and it honors exactly what you're saying. I would say that the 10th grade curriculum really is, you know, we go by decade, and it is a sweeping look at Israel, the, the greatness that is Israel, for the most part, really, you know, from its origins. And, and we start earlier in 10th grade talking about Zionism and, you know, really the something from nothing. And so it is mostly the, I think, um, pride building, loyalty, um, education. Um, and then within that, when we get to certain moments, we, we raise certain issues. Um, and so they're there and it, it works really well, I think, because it's within that, that framework. But I think that for the most part, the 10th grade is really, um, a, a, a pride, uh, having people understand like the timeline and Israel's victories and, and things like that. And then in 12th grade, there the course is more framed about the conflict. Um, in some ways, that makes it a little bit more difficult to teach because we, I realize that you can't just talk conflict, right? Because then kids forget. They forget that in 10th grade, we talked all about the not, not you know, all the good stuff. Um, and I, I see that each year more and more and, and constantly think about how to, to frame those conflicts, even in 12th grade, um, to raise the, the, the good and to raise the, what we're proud of. Um, but we do, I think, honor that developmental difference in the way we think about the two curriculum. I also just wanted to raise one other issue that we grappled with continuously during my time at SAR, and I have no doubt they will continue to grapple with it. And that's that when you leave the critical piece for 12th grade, you also have to deal with 12th graders. And to be very honest, and we need to be honest about this. Senioritis. Senioritis, right? They have one foot out the door. They're not fully present. The course is a pass-fail course purposefully, and I think rightly, but, you know, we have nothing to hold over their heads. 
And, and that's challenging. It's, it's very challenging. Look, the curriculum at SAR tries to do a lot, an enormous amount. And, you know, we all have to fit in our Daladamot where we can. Um, but that is definitely a very challenging piece to get the kids to really be present, focused in a very deep way on issues that are really complicated when they have senioritis. Yeah, for, for, for us, we, in the Gemara department in Machshevet Yisrael, very often we say it's, uh, planting seeds for things that later on in the college years and beyond, hopefully they'll be able to incorporate and integrate into what they're being uh, exposed to and what they're learning about then. So sometimes you, you can't evaluate it completely after 10th grade or after 12th grade. It's more of a the arc of the next several years or even decade of their of their development, which brings me to to you, Laura, and some of your work now with AJC as the Director of Contemporary Jewish Life, um, and where you see the importance of Israel education for day school students and informing them more fully so they don't have the Seth Rogen takeaway that they never learned anything about uh, the other narrative during their time in Jewish settings. I can't say enough about the importance of Israel education in day schools. Um, I think that we in the American Jewish community are suffering from a deplorable lack of understanding of Israel, and that's contributing to the Israel-Diaspora divide, which is one of the big projects of my department at AJC. I spend probably 60% of my time thinking and working on the Israel-Diaspora divide without understanding each other. And by the way, the understanding is is equally abysmal on the Israeli side of us. Uh, We're working on both of those things. But to have day school students in the American Jewish population who come to the table with a deep and rich understanding of Israel is worth its weight in gold in terms of American Jewry. Um, I, you know, when the Seth Rogen thing happened, I, I actually listened to his podcast like three times because I think that it's actually an incredible primary source about American Jewish identity in this moment in time. But one of the takeaways I had from it was he's talking about an Israel education that is, that is gone in a t- from a time gone by. He said that, you know, he was taught lies about Israel. I think that for the most part, we in the day school world, I'm not in the day school world anymore, but I was for many years, have done a great deal of work on eradicating that notion of, you know, we're only going to teach the triumphal narrative about Israel. I think that that's largely over. I think that there's been a great deal of reckoning that has gone on in the organized Jewish community and the educational Jewish community about that. Is there more work to do? Absolutely, there's more work to do. But when I see our teenage program, for example, at AJC, and I see the day school students who come to the table with such rich knowledge and understanding compared to their non-day school um, co- compatriots, it's staggering. The work that, that is going on in day schools in terms of Israel education is critical. And so our graduates or other yeshiva high school graduates are going to be familiar with other narratives and terms like Nakba and those kinds of things and are not going to wake up in a few years at college and say, where was this whole narrative? Where, where I never heard any of this stuff and feel a sense of alienation for their entire education sometimes. Uh, absolutely. I think that they, I mean, certainly I can speak for SAR graduates because I taught the curriculum. They will not say that. And you have two of them. And I have two of them, truth. Um, I, I, they will not say that. And But not only that, they're also going off to college with an understanding of, of the wonderful 
nature of Israel and of the miracle of Israel. And they know what 48 is, and they know what the Mizrahi Aliyah was, and they know about 67, and they know about Menachem Begin, and they know about Startup Nation in ways that um, you only can when you have the time to engage in that in that kind of deep education. And I hope they'll carry both of those with them when they go to college. So for our last uh, section here, I wanted to look a little bit ahead and turn to you, Adina. This past year, in addition to the original working group and then the Israel-Palestinian conflict group, you participated in a new Machon Siach project where we partnered with the Center for Middle East Peace, brought together five yeshiva high schools, administrators, and teachers from each of those schools to examine the Israel-Palestinian conflict uh, in depth. So I wanted to hear a little bit about what you gained from that project and what are some of the next steps that you're thinking about or new ways in which we can uh, teach uh, modern Israel, teach the history of Israel, given the experiences you've had over the last uh, several months. Sure. So I have two two thoughts. One is about meeting the cohort of other educators in yeshivas, and the other is um, a little bit about content. So I think the power of meeting and talking with other educators in yeshiva high schools around the country is um, getting a sense of where everyone else is. And to Laura's point that that maybe 10 years ago, our students said, oh, we never heard of a Palestinian narrative. Not only can our students not say that, it seems to me from the discussions with these other schools is that none of their students can say that either. Now, granted, it's five schools. It's not every school. And maybe it's self-selective. But to me, that is a huge realization and a huge, huge progress that that no school, it's not just SAR, you know, that's talking about Palestinian narratives, right? It, other schools are doing it also. Other Zionist schools recognize the importance of complicating, um, complicating things and introducing some of this vocabulary to their students. Um, so that, that to me is, is priceless. And I would hope that going forward out of this group could come. Perhaps we'll write articles, you know, together and put out in Jewish publications that articulate this in a way that people can know and they can no longer have this like canard. Oh, we don't learn it. It isn't true. The content piece that I think I've gained the most from, from this, this group is, uh, we've, we've heard from and read a lot about the religious peace initiative. Um, which is, and we actually had Rabbi Melchior and Sheikh Badir. Badir. They actually came to speak, I mean, I don't know, connected to this Robert Wexler initiative. They spoke to the students, and now I've heard them um, on Zoom. And this initiative of religious leadership from both sides, right, Jewish leadership and Muslim leadership, getting involved in peace and, and, and making the argument that, of course, past peace efforts have failed because they have been pushed by politicians and from a secular point of view. And how can that possibly move forward in a region and among people who are so deeply religious and their attachments to land are so religious? And frankly, those discussions have been the most hopeful that I've heard in a long time because we have these respected Jewish and Muslim leaders who are committed to the project of peace and are working together cooperatively and building a coalition. And that has been super interesting and hopeful and I think something that we really should expose our students and our broader community to because it is a way for everybody to have hope and to kind of join together in this, uh, you know, peace, efforts to peace. 
Thanks, Adina. Thank you, Laura. This has been a fantastic conversation. I want to encourage everyone to check out the research paper and curriculum guide that Laura and Adina worked on and published as part of this Inside the Conversation publication, and also to check out the Siach talk as well. On behalf of Rabbi Avi Bloom, our producer, I want to thank everyone for being a part of the Grand Conversation. Thank you.